May it please the listeners, my name is Rich Schoenstein, and this is Law Brief. Welcome to our very first episode of Law Brief, a new podcast we've put together here. And we're going to have a very special episode right at the outset. Usually in this kind of thing, you have to wait, I don't know, deep into season one or even into season two before the special episodes start rolling. But we're going to jump right on it. We have a two-part episode where we're going to talk about trade secrets and confidential information. And the reason we're going to do it in two parts is because it's really two distinct concepts, and we want to distinguish between them. I'm going to be joined in each half of the discussion by my partner, Amy Goldsmith. And this episode, where we're going to start talking right now, is about what is a trade secret and what should you do to protect it. So, Amy, how are you? I'm well, Rich. How are you? I'm excellent. I want to start with really a fundamental question that I hear all the time from clients when we get into this territory. We hear about confidential information and we hear about trade secrets. What's the difference? Well, have you heard of the principle, KISS, keep it simple? Yes, and, well, and, the, and the second S. Yes, but I'm not going to say that on air, despite what George Carlin has told us to do. With regard to trade secrets, the name explains what it is. A trade secret is secret. So it's not supposed to be known by anyone outside of a very specific, very trusted circle of people. Now, one of the most famous trade secrets is the Coke formula. And you might think, well, we know the ingredients. How can the formula be secret? I'm pretty sure it's just sugar and poison. (laughs) Yes, one can use it to, I think, wash carburetors. But the formula is not online. The formula is not even accessible in Coke, as I understand it by high-level individuals. There are a few number of individuals who have access to the formula, and that's been that way for decades. So that is the very definition of a secret. You keep it secret. You tell everyone it's secret. You don't provide access to everyone. You only provide access to those who have an absolute need to know. Right. And let me and let me highlight that point using the Coca-Cola example. So the people at Coca-Cola who know the formula for making the soda are the people who make the soda, not the people who sell the soda, not the people who buy radio ads, not the receptionist, right? Exactly. So the other important detail to know about trade secrets is that they're not easily reverse engineered. As I said, everyone knows the ingredients of Coke. But if you took those ingredients and combined them yourself, you're not going to come out with something that tastes like Coke. Right. Well, what about a computer program? Because I've, I've seen some litigation about reverse engineering of computer programs. Can those still be trade secrets if they're susceptible to reverse engineering of the source code? So the source code can actually function as a trade secret if you are limiting 
the knowledge of that source code to a small number of people. What you're actually asking, though, is, is someone permitted to duplicate the idea, the concept that is effectuated by the source code? And the answer to that question is yes. You can't do it by taking the source code. Let's say you are an employee and you're leaving, and you figure, hey, I'm going to a competitor or I'm going to open up my own shop. I'm going to just use this source code that I wrote. I'm going to take it with me. There is a lot of litigation about that circumstance. If you're an employee and you're writing code for your employer, you don't own that code. That code, trade secrets can be in that code, is owned by the employer and you can't take it with you. Okay. So a trade secret, the fundamental component of a trade secret is, as you say, the secret. And the source of a trade secret is the law, right? Yes. And we have something called the Defend Trade Secrets Act, which is a relatively new federal law. It's only a few years old that actually systematized from a federal perspective, a nationwide perspective, the definition of a trade secret. And we still have all of the 50 states, and they have all of their own trade secret laws. But now, the beauty of the Defend Trade Secret Act is that we can go into federal court and basically use the power of the federal court to stop someone who might have stolen the trade secrets. Another important factor with regard to trade secrets is once they're no longer secret, it's no longer a trade secret. And that's a problem if someone steals it and publishes it. It's even a problem if someone has their laptop stolen and hacked, and then the trade secret is considered public. So it's critical that a business's processes account for not having the trade secret be hacked, stolen, or even inadvertently disclosed. Right. And as a general matter, so there's the Defend Trade Secrets Act, which was adopted a few years ago by Congress and, as you say, federalizes the law. Prior to that, there are laws in, I think, every state defining what a trade secret is, most of them statutory. And the Defend Trade Secrets Act, if I'm right, applies to trade secrets that are used in interstate commerce. Yes, and most businesses nowadays are in interstate commerce. The requirement isn't quite as litigated as it once was because of the Internet. Basically, if you're a business that's on the Internet and you are, you're not obviously putting your trade secret online, but you do satisfy that interstate commerce requirement. And we've seen since the Defend Trade Secret Act a proliferation of federal court litigation involving trade secrets. Not only can you get into federal court, which a lot of people prefer to be in, to state court, but the Defend Trade Secret Act also gives you potential remedies, including injunctive relief and attorney's fees, right? Yes, and that's really important because a lot of state acts didn't necessarily allow for an easy injunction or attorney's fees. And attorney's fees can be very important, especially if you're a small company and you're considering whether to sue, let's say, a departing employee, or let's say you were on the other side of a confidentiality agreement and the person that and the company that you supposed would be your confidential partner decided to take your trade secrets and compete with you. 
So the attorney's fees component is really critical because litigation, frankly, is expensive. And if you have a really solid case and the statute itself says if you prevail, if you're the winning party, the judge is going to give you your attorney's fees. It may not be all of your attorney's fees, but that's a significant factor. Yes, the ability to shift the cost of litigation, I have found in my experience to be a highly effective cudgel in the uh, arsenal that litigation provides. Just to back up to a couple of things you mentioned, we, we meander a little bit in this podcast. It's just the way it's going to work. You said that a trade secret is secret, and you sort of said once the cat's out of the bag, it's out of the bag, and it might cease to be a trade secret. And you also said that it's very important that a company with a trade secret has policies and procedures designed to protect that trade secret. And in fact, the test under federal and most state law looks at the degree to which someone tries to protect the confidentiality of a trade secret as part of determining if there is a trade secret to begin with, right? That's absolutely correct. So these policies and procedures form the basis of your case in court. If you don't have written policies and procedures, then you're left with trying to prove to the court that you told everybody that this had to be kept as a trade secret. That's not really a case that is set up to be a hugely successful case. And that's the same philosophy when you are discussing trade secrets or confidential information, and we'll get to that definition in a minute, with someone who might be a partner. So it's very common for companies to join with other companies in order to get something done. Another company may have employees that you don't have and may be complementary. You may be in one particular area of construction and another company is in another area of construction and, and the two of you want to join together on a particular project and pitch that project together. So the first thing that you're going to do is you're going to sign a non-disclosure and confidentiality agreement. And that's going to have provisions in it saying, my confidential information and trade secrets is mine. Your confidential information and trade secrets is yours. I won't take your stuff. You won't take my stuff. And it may even say what happens if someone does the horrible thing and takes the other's confidential information and trade secrets. And this is a fertile ground for litigation. One other thought I want to finish about what is a trade secret, right? Because we talked about it being secret. We talked about efforts to maintain the secrecy. But at its core, a trade secret has to be valuable, right? Correct. I mean, it's not how many paper clips you have is not a trade secret. It has to be something that provides an immense business value. So as we mentioned, source code, as we mentioned, formulas, the way, the manner in which your company has decided to do something. Let's say you've got these processes that make whatever it is you do. And let's say you're creating plastic. Well, let's say you've got a process that you teach your people where you are using, oh, perhaps less oil to make your plastic. Well, that's valuable. That means you're not paying as much and you're producing an item that is going to be a lot less expensive for which you can undercut your market. A key component of value 
is is measured by how it's valuable as against a competitor. Yes. So in your example, the ability to produce a product cheaper or faster and then presumably sell it for the same price is value against your competitors. Exactly. And, you know, in the pharmaceutical field, the formula, the composition that you use for a pharmaceutical can be a trade secret or it can be covered by patents. Now, if it's covered by patents, it's disclosed to the public. It's protected because anyone copying it would be considered an infringer. But there may be reasons why you want that formula to be kept as a trade secret. Let's say it can't be easily reverse engineered. Well, that has a lot of value because it lasts. Trade secrets can last forever if you keep them secret, if they continue to have a business value like the Coke formula. Way back when, they decided not to patent it. Now it's still a trade secret decades and decades later. And all of these things, all of these concepts, trade secrets, patents, trademarks, have some interplay. And Amy, your practice really is full-purpose intellectual property? Correct. So I'm a patent attorney as well. Not all IPs or IP attorneys are patent attorneys, but I happen to be one. And I was trained as a generalist. So one day I can walk in and review a patent application or an appeal to the patent office if an application is rejected, or I can work on how best to counsel a client on how to maximize intellectual property and build value for their business, trade secrets and confidential information being one of those means of maximizing the business. And we've spoken about confidential information, but we haven't really defined it. Yep. One, one second. I'm going to get there, I promise. Okay. But let me say this before, because it's a good segue to what's going to be a frequent admonition on this podcast, which is if you think you have something that's a trade secret, you need to, to deal with it. You probably need counsel. You probably need to look at the Defend Trade Secrets Act and your state law and figure out if you do have a trade secret and if you're taking adequate steps to protect it, both in terms of really keeping it secret, which is your ultimate goal, and in terms of complying with the legal components of what's going to be viewed as a trade secret. So again, as I, as I say frequently, this podcast is not legal advice. If you have a trade secret, you should also have a lawyer. Yes, we are providing legal information so that you understand, you know what you don't know. All right, that is or was our quick discussion of trade secrets. Trade secrets covers a lot of ground and a lot of case law and statutes, and it's hard to cover, certainly in 15 minutes, but I hope you got an idea of some of the parameters. In the next episode of this podcast, Amy and I will delve into the broader question of what constitutes confidential information information that may be important to the business, even though it's not a trade secret, and how you should go about protecting that. I hope you'll join us for the continuation of our discussion. Thank you again for listening to Law Brief. Now here's something lawyerly, a disclaimer. 
We are not your lawyers. We do not have an attorney-client relationship, and this podcast does not constitute legal advice. If you need legal advice, you should contact and engage counsel of your own choosing who can best address your own situation and particular needs. You can find more information about our law firm, me, and many of our guests at our website, www.tartarkrinsky.com. We are a mid-size, full-service firm located in New York City and New Jersey. If you want to contact us for any reason, be it comments, topic ideas, or anything else, you can email us at podcast at You can also follow this podcast on iTunes, among other places, and we would very much appreciate it if you rate or review us. I'm Rich Schoenstein, and this was Law Brief.